Hey, what's going on? It's Quinn David Furness. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furness presents the Beantown Podcast for Friday, July 14th, 2023. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? My name is Quinn and this is my show. I'm the creator, host, and best boy of this fine program. Hello to our great beanheads out there in the state of Pakistan. Thank you for supporting us all across the Karachi Pass and the Hyderabad Pass and the uh, Punjab region. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making us the 112th ranked comedy podcast in the great country of Pakistan. Listener discretion is advised when you're listening to this fine program. Number one, we'll occasionally use some language. Number two, this podcast is objectively terrible, but it's good to be back. It's been, uh, what, nine days, I think, since we last recorded. I think last time was a midweek special, a little Wednesday action. We were getting ready for Summerfest, uh, is, which has kind of become a highlight of summer for me as it uh, is intended to be for many but it's the second year in a row now that Rachel and I have gone up for sort of a full weekend go up on Thursday after work come back Sunday at some point uh, and it's a ton of fun I mean if you're not super familiar with Summerfest the way they do it now is is three weekends Thursday through Sunday in a row it used to be formatted differently and some people like the change some people don't but this is just the way it is now you can go for very cheap. You can do like GA tickets, single day, day of as you're walking in for like less than 20 bucks if you don't plan ahead at all. Uh, we we probably didn't even have to do it this way uh, because we only went up for one weekend. But um, we bought nine day passes just kind of at the outset because that was, I think, the cheapest option at the time. And um, yeah, so we could have gone the other two weekends if we wanted to. It's just it's in Milwaukee. So we went up, uh, as you know after the podcast last week and had a great time got up there thursday night after work uh shout out to betty and jose for letting us borrow a car very kind very generous that tracks with the profile and uh we saw war on drugs thursday night and i'll just we'll do our our war on drugs song highlight of the week and uh just very briefly here man they're they're so good when you want to talk about live bands and performing and just sheer talent and man, just really like, I think so last year we saw Portugal, the man live at Summerfest and I'm a big Portugal, the man fan. They just dropped a new album like a month ago, less than that, even like two or three weeks. And, but you saw the show Portugal, the man put on last year at Summerfest. And I think they were pretty rusty. Honestly, I don't think they performed in, like almost a year or something like that and it showed like they were out of sync like they're still having a great time but it was just kind of like a a shit show for lack of a better word you compare that to the war on drugs i mean you have six people that are just completely locked in or seven actually now seven people and they're so tight and they're so good and every single person is so good at their instrument but the, the fact that they can blend it all together the audio whoever they're i don't know if they have like a dedicated audio engineer if it really does rely on each individual venue where they play but man the mix is just spectacular even in like an outdoor setting uh like we were at thursday night it's still just amazing so one song that i've always been a fan of but you know it's it's probably i wouldn't put in like my top five war on drug songs but man when they play an ocean in between the waves live now if you don't know that song go check it out go listen to a live version from one of their recent festival appearances because they absolutely turn it up to 11 
It's a great chord progression. It's very like moody, stormy, midnight kind of feel. Uh, and the album version is good too. And the album version also also rocks. But as if you know War on Drugs live at all, live drugs, they really just go and go and go and jam until you can't physically jam anymore. And this one, man, they really turned it up. So that was that was a clear highlight uh, for me on Thursday night. And then they also play, when they play Strangest Thing, uh, which I like as well, but it's not, again, like not a standout for me typically. But man, they've added uh, some harmony uh, at the end that is like four piece. I feel like you're listening to like a Kansas or a Journey concert. It's spectacular. So that was War on Drugs. If you don't know them or you just know a couple songs, you just know Red Eyes or something from that car commercial, go listen to at least one or two. And live is even better pretty much across the board than album version stuff, which is just uh, a, a testament to uh, their abilities and their skills. Uh, Friday was fun. We woke up. I actually had to wake up pretty early. Um, I had to do some work on Friday morning. And then um, Rachel had to do some work as well. So we just got our, our coffees and stuff. And then I went for my run, a nice little run up to uh, Bradford Beach, I think is what it's called, along Lake Michigan there and back. And then we ended up going to Lakefront Brewing or Lakefront brewing that was a portmanteau not really kind of action and more like a word with a garand at the end brewing b-r-e-w-e-r-y-i-n-g it's a you know it's a word we use all the time no but it's nice it's fun because it's uh, actually on a river lakefront brewing it's kind of the one of those misleading things it's like when uh leaf erickson got to greenland and he named it greenland to fool whoever. I don't really know who he was trying to fool. Maybe some European nobles. If I was going to try to, if I was a, a, a Viking, a, a Norse explorer, and I wanted to trick someone, it would probably be, uh, I'm thinking like the King of England, one of the Tudors, T-U-D-O-R. Or maybe like one of those situations where you have like this British guy who becomes the King of Spain, and you're like, how did this happen? kind of feel like if you want to be the king of Spain, you should be like a Spanish dude. There shouldn't be like a King Charles the first of Spain, right? It should be like King, I don't know, Eduardo the third. It just seems like a Charles doesn't really fit. I don't even know if there's ever been a King Charles of, of, of Spain, but it feels like there was at some point in like the 17th century, right? That just feels right. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we get, we had some brews, some curds, good stuff on Friday, and then we had some of our friends come up and meet us. Shout out to Tom and Molly. And Friday night we went to Japanese breakfast, which I was psyched for. Uh, if you don't know Michelle Zoner, uh, I just requested her book from the library, her memoir, Crying in H Mart. I'm looking forward to reading that. And uh, great, great performance. It's fun because it's her. Her husband is the guitarist, and she plays guitar too and sings. So it's a great show. I wish they would jam more. Uh, maybe I'm just spoiled from the war on drugs. But Japanese breakfast is like, man, they got good talent too. It's like, give me some more jams. A lot of times, kind of stuck in the pop mode a little bit more, where they just be like, have a great song. It's going well. It's like, okay, they played the album version, and then they'll just give you like one or two more measures or cycles and I'm like no give me like two or three more minutes um because they end up playing in like a 90 minute set they end up probably playing like 
I don't know, 13 or 14 songs when War on Drugs will, you know, do like nine or 10. So anyways, good stuff, different bands, different sounds, both fantastic. And then, man, Saturday was was a great time, too. Woke up, got our coffees, went for some walks along Lake Michigan with our friends who were staying with us. And then uh, got to see good, just talk about long-time, close collaborators, friends of the show who just don't get as much love and attention these days uh, on this program as as they absolutely should. But they're really just kind of... uh, you know, head down, working, going to school, all that good stuff. Ryan and Kristen English, uh, you know them from the Car Ride Convos podcast. You know them from their uh, their Twitch channel, which has not been active in a while. Uh, but just good stuff uh, across the board. We got to meet up with them at a brewery, uh, Hacienda Brewing. In case you're curious, yes, the theme of the weekend was drinks. Dinner, drinks, dancing. Although I didn't end up eating that much just across the board, which was probably my problem because eventually after hanging out with them at the uh, the brewery, we go Saturday night, which Thursday was like there was one band I wanted to see. Friday, one band I wanted to see. Saturday was more like there weren't any bands that I was as crazy about, but there were more than I knew. Like Neo was playing. Smokey Robinson was playing. Fleet Foxes was playing, who was great. But I, I uh, spoiler alert, I never got there. But um, basically, yeah, we were hanging out. I wasn't even drinking that much. I think I just, um, excuse me, I don't know what happened. My body finally caught up with me and said enough, and it just went all downhill. went from, like, having a good time hanging out with friends to uh, just completely had to hit the, had to hit the toilets uh, coming out the, uh, the top end, so... It uh, it it turned it it went from a hundred to zero pretty quick, and then Sunday was a rough day too. Um, but uh, appreciate everyone who uh, was checking in, and appreciate uh, Rachel for driving us back when I was not in. Uh, let's just say I was in dire straits. Okay, I felt like uh, Mark Knopfler, if you will. N no K N O P F L E R. Who wants to take bets on if that's how you spell Mark? Knopfler. There you go. All right. Um, Mark Knopfler, British singer, songwriter. Which reminds me as I'm doing my uh, Google search here to check my spelling to uh, come up with this week's Beantown Trivia uh, podcast question. Beantown, that was backwards, Beantown podcast trivia question, uh, which I've got in store for you. And we're going to get to that in a second here. We're gonna, I, I've been thinking about this a lot today. Um, we're going to be, here we go. Box office mojo. That's what I want. Okay. We've got that lined up. Um, we're going to be talking mission impossible in a second here. Cause I saw Wednesday night and I think mission impossible has firmly moved into pole position and there isn't really any competition right now as star Wars for me personally with Disney has really just fallen off. Like I, I don't find myself enjoying star Wars, uh, these days, which just feels like, very strange to say, because if you would have told you know Quinn that 20 years ago, I would have been like, are you absolutely insane? But I don't know. It's just like the way they're branching out. I don't have any issue with like all the world building and all the shows, and they just announced the Ahsoka show, and season three of The Mandalorian came and went, which I didn't see. And yeah, Andor was good, but I didn't think it was like life-changing. But man, just the, the, the misses with the sequel films... 
it went from like oh, fine, not amazing, not bad to oh, this is a dumpster fire to number nine, which to this day I've still never seen, um, but I I I know exactly what it is. Um, and then the shows, I don't know. It's just kind of like there are definitely parts of the Mandalorian I enjoyed, and uh, some of the uh, the one off movies. Obviously, Rogue One was great. I didn't think Solo was like a disaster. I think it was just a mistake trying to make this movie that was like a setup for a trilogy that then never got made. But uh, I don't know. It just feels there's so much. And I think when I was a kid, Star Wars was so special, right? Because it's just like you got these originally three movies and then eventually as you're growing up, it expands to six. But it's just like so each one you really savor the moment, right? Like everyone, all the production elements that went into it, the characters, the casting, um, and now it just feels like you really kind of lost that to a certain degree. And don't get me started on Book of Boba Fett. I think that thing was just trash. And I've tried to get into not not that's not fair to say. I've seen some of Clone Wars, just out of curiosity. Never seen Rebels, but yeah, it's just um, I don't know. I think it's like when uh, Franklin Delano Bluth says, "You've lost the plot, Job." It's kind of how I feel about the Star Wars, Disney stuff right now. Let's move off of that. Our palindrome of the day today is a classic palindrome. But I, got, I was thinking about it this morning. I did not use this particular site, but I'm, I am psyched. I guess we'll, we'll list what it is first. Kayak is our palindrome of the day. Uh, this morning, uh, just mention this briefly, then we'll hear from our sponsors. Then let's talk Mission Impossible because I've got some bold ideas. Um, this morning, I booked a trip, a very quick trip and kind of classic Quinn fashion. I always do this to myself, but it's out of necessity uh, to Minneapolis, September 23rd through 25th. So I have to work the 23rd Saturday in downtown Chicago. It's like our biggest off-campus recruitment event of the year, but it's in Chicago. And then um, I had this bold idea because Rachel is going to be uh, in Arizona doing some family stuff, which I would have loved to go to, but then I just had to work this Saturday. It's just like, that's literally not possible for me. Um, I could still make it for part of it, but not worth it. I think the party is Saturday. So, so I was like, you know what? Uh, let's see, uh, see if the Viking schedule works out. I'm actually going to be in Minneapolis the Sunday after more or less as well for work. But of course, just like what happened last year when I was there, they were in London this year, they're going to be in uh, Charlotte. So I was like, you know, what? let's check out the, the, the week before Rachel's not going to be here. And uh, lo and behold, they'll be at home week three versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Maybe we'll have a Philip Rivers sighting. Who knows? But I was like, and I came up with this idea probably like a month ago. I was like, I'm just, you know what? Let's do it. Like, it's not super cheap, but it's relatively affordable. I think my flights are like 170 round trip. I leave Saturday at like four o'clock, have to fly back uh, Monday morning. It's like a 545 flight so I can get back in time for work, which obviously not ideal, but you know what it is what it is and then booked a hotel room which was like 300 or something for for the two nights total uh so again not so bad and the, the, i mean the reason it caught my attention in the first place was ticket prices right now you can go to the game for like 65 bucks or something um and i was like you know throw throw that all together is it a lot of money to spend on 36 hours essentially yeah but it's gonna be a great time i've never been inside u.s bank stadium before i've only been to one NFL game and it was a road game for my Vikings. I was I was at FedEx Field in Landover wearing my purple Donovan McNabb 
jersey, which was just probably one of the most confusing things of all time considering Donovan McNabb played for Washington as well as Philadelphia where he obviously made his living but then also had like a very brief uneventful cup of coffee with the Vikings and it's like who on earth would have a Donovan McNabb Vikings jersey and they'd wear it on the road to a Redskins game where he also played but wasn't as prominent when he was in Philly. The whole thing is kind of a... It's it's befuddling, if you will. But that was the, the first and uh, only NFL game I've gone to. So I'm pumped. Booked everything this morning. It's like actually happening. The only thing I don't have yet is the game ticket. So we're waiting to see who else might come. But it sounds like brother of the podcast, Jack Furness, is confirmed, uh, at least uh, verbally, which I'm, I'm pumped for. Like going to a Vikings game with my brother... Uh, hopefully both brothers can come. And if my dad uh, is a very long shot, obviously, but like just any sort of family in general, like going to a game with them because I don't know that many other Vikings fans, like in person is pretty much just my family. Um, that's going to be pretty special win or lose. Like it's going to be awesome. And I figure, Hey, last Sunday in uh, September, Minneapolis, that sounds like beautiful weather. I, I'm, I'm envisioning like 65 sunny, good for walking we can go to surly uh there's other breweries and stuff so i'm pumped i am pumped uh let's say thank you to our sponsors here and we're going to do a full read at least for this first one why because this sunday july 16th it is a very special happy birthday a little birthday shout out to father of the podcast steven furnace you know him from home pride oregon you know him uh, from our daddy long legs, uh, kind of a groundbreaking single that we shared on Father's Day last month. Still get some radio play here and there, which is exciting. Uh, but happy birthday to my pop, uh, age uh, indeterminate. Let's say 49 again. Uh, are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth, all because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time? Well, Oregon listeners, I got good news for you. Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon, is Central Oregon's hottest new home inspection provider with inspection services, including things like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. Home Pride Oregon is both inspection certified and, uh, oh, contractor certified. I got it backwards, but it's okay. I mean, it's the same thing. So you know you're getting the good stuff. If you're tired of big real estate sort of wrangle hold on the home inspection market and you want a safe certified home inspector you can trust, call Steve at 541-410-0316. Or you can visit HomePrideOregon.com. Again, that's 541-410-0316. Or you can visit HomePrideOregon.com. HomePrideOregon inspection perfection. I also want to give a quick shout-out to the Samson Q2U series. It has crisp, clear audio quality from start to finish. Whether you are doing a little uh, reading, uh, Psalm 23 maybe, uh, right after the uh, doxology before communion, or maybe you're uh, doing a little wedding, uh, maybe lamentations. I hope someone laments something at my wedding. That'd be kind of nice. Uh, you're going to want a Samsung Q2U series. It's got that powerful broadcast uh, quality. It's just, it, Guys, this is what they use uh, You know, when you're broadcasting a baseball game. Just ask Pat Hughes. Pat Hughes here for uh, Samsung Q2U series. Speaking of which, we got the weirdest thing today. We got a Cubs night game on a Friday here at Wrigley versus the Bo Sox. Uh, Friday night game. It feels sacrilegious. It's weird. It's like it's 5.38 right now, 5.38 p.m. Got to get dinner going right after this. Um, and you see all the cars pouring in, all the people walking to the game. It should be the opposite on a Friday. You guys should be clearing out 
excuse me, not going and loading in. So it might be kind of a loud night here in Wrigley, but oh well, it is what it is. Can't complain too much. It's a beautiful day. It's just hot. Had to turn the air conditioning on. When God speaks, he uses a Samson. And of course, oh, I did a nice little, I it was bugging me so much. Last week when I shaved, it was just a normal shave. But then um, I shaved again this week and I forgot again. And then I was like running my hand over the back of my neck uh, yesterday or no, it was, I guess it was Wednesday. And I'm usually pretty like good with shaving the back of my neck and taking care of that stuff. But man, it was just, um, it really kind of grows down, if you will, and uh, turns jungle-ish. So I really had to take care of that. And uh, yeah, it was a nice, nice cut by Q, if if I will say so. Bob and we, we, we all know the hairstyle. We all love it. But how many Chicago-based independent barbers can actually give it to you the way you deserve? Enter Cuts by Q. It's a little like Enter Sandman, only different. Cuts by Q has been independently owned and operated since 1995 and is probably one of the better barbershop operations serving Chicago, Cook County, Northwest Indiana, and the greater Chicago land area. From beehives to bangs, fallhawks to flat tops, and everything in between, call Cuts by Q at 815-298-7200, or you can email Cuts by Q at yahoo.com. Again, that's Cuts, <clears throat> Q-U-T-Z by Q at yahoo.com. Oh, when you need a fresh do, something snappy and new, just call the experts at Cuts by Q. Speaking of snappy, that was a pretty snappy, quick rendition of Cuts by Q jingle. There's not a lot of lingering. Lingering, what's the name of those, uh, those, uh, that type of sauce they put the cranberries in at the Ikea? Linger sauce, that's not what it is. Ikea cranberries. It's like Swedish, it's like linger something, right? Lingerhosen? Lingonberry, there it is. Speaking of lingonberry, Rachel went to uh, get some ice cream the other night. She got brambleberry crisp. And I had to, I had to, I thought about it for a while. I was like, I don't even really know, like, what does brambleberry mean? Like, that's not a type of berry. So I looked it up. And apparently, a little factoid for you, brambleberry just refers to any sort of if you can believe it, berry that grows in a bramble, which is kind of a difficult to define, like prickly, all uh, kind of tangled, entwined bush. So I think blackberry is really kind of what we're talking about here. I think that's a that grows in a bramble, B-R-A-M-B-L, like preamble but pre-bramble. What if you did like a like a ice cream, like a Constitution themed ice cream, in honor of America's 250th birthday, which is coming up in two years here, three years, um, 2026, 20, right? The pre-bramble. It's like, write that down in my big ideas. Don't let me forget. I actually am going to type that in. I don't really have a big ideas document going right now. We'll start that. It's almost time. Speaking of future podcast ideas, pre-bramble ice cream. Bramble. Well, Bran is, uh, I don't know, not a huge brand guy. Pre-Bramble ice cream. I love that. Um, we need to do another Big Ideas podcast soon here. I just haven't thought of a big idea recently, so it's kind of problematic. The other thing I do, I'm not going to reveal too much about this, though, but I, I thought about when I was um, reading our ads. 
I have a, a, I have a concept episode forming, brewing almost in my head that relates to ads um, that you guys will probably really hate. So I'm, I'm excited. I almost, I, I, w- I was thinking about that this week. I was like, maybe that's what we'll do on this episode of the Beantown Podcast uh, is my concept episode. But then it's, it's something that actually takes some work um, and some writing and some research. So uh, it's not something that I could just like plop down at five o'clock after work on a Friday and just rattle off. So, but I'm not promising it next week or anything, but, uh, it should be in the next couple episodes here. It'll probably be one of those where you turn, you hit your Apple podcast two times speed so you can finish it in 15 minutes. Um, which by the way, ripped to stitcher, right? I think we mentioned that two weeks ago on the show. Stitcher is one of the OG podcast platforms and is dying. They officially are closing out like end of this month or something like that. But however you uh, listen to your Beantown podcast, whether you are Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, whatever it might be, thank you for listening. You can always get in touch with us here at the show. We'd love to hear from you. You can email BeantownPodcast at Yahoo.com. Again, it's Beantown, B-E-A-N-T-Podcast at Yahoo.com. Or you go to BeantownPodcast.com and you can leave a comment or a complaint or a, a, a pra- a, a, an appraisal there you can appraise us like here's the value of beantownpodcast.com it's worth negative money because you don't make any money and you spend money on it every year listener funded right guys okay so i saw mission impossible 7 wednesday night rachel went out to dinner with her coworkers. i knew it was a perfect opportunity she's not really a cruise head not really a cruise missile not an icbm or if you will imdb icbm it's a lot of a lot of acronyms for movies. But uh, I love that. I'm a huge Mission Impossible fan. Um, I don't think I saw, you know, one, two, or three in theaters. Well, Mission Impossible 1 came out, like, what, 1993 or something, 94? Mission Impossible. There's too many Mission Impossible films. It takes a while to search for it with one finger. Uh, 96. Uh, in case you're curious, so Mission Impossible uh, OG, based off the TV show, uh, 96-2, a low point in the franchise for sure, is 2000, and then they've just gotten better ever since. 3-06-4-11, I'm pretty sure we saw uh, number four, Ghost Protocol in theaters as a family. It's the one where he climbs the Burj Khalifa. Uh, five, Rogue Nation, 2015, I think I saw by myself in theaters. Fallout. I might have even gone twice. I can't remember, but that was 2018 and then Dead Reckoning 2023. Um, Dead Reckoning Part 1, rather. There is a Part 2, which brings me to this idea that I've had. I sat down this morning and I was like, you know what? What are they going to do with the next Mission Impossible? Mission Impossible 8, Dead Reckoning Part 2. And I was was brainstorming. I was like, okay, Mission Impossible has done a lot. They've kind of... They've got their formula down. Christopher, Christopher, Christopher McQuarrie has directed the last three, I think, now. Um, yeah, Brad Bird was four. That's a weird thing, too. They've had some crazy directors. They had Brian De Palma, and then J.J. Uh, Abrams did three, right? And then Brad Bird from Incredibles, he did four, and then Christopher McQuarrie's done the last three. But I was like, okay, so I think... Mission Impossible 7, really good. Not quite as good as 6 for me, but still really good. I was like, how are they, you know, how is Tom going to keep up in the ante? Like, what is a mission so impossible 
for Mission Impossible 8 Dead Reckoning Part 2 that it it might actually be impossible. And I thought, you know what? Tom Cruise, Scientology. That's the angle we're taking here. The mission, should you choose to accept it, Tom, is escaping Scientology. Mission Impossible 8. So we're going to get kind of uh, meta with some of these layers, I think. It's going to be within the Mission Impossible universe, but the assumption is just going to be that Ethan Hunt is basically just Tom Cruise and he's been in Scientology this whole time. So I don't have a full storyboard yet. I've just been writing some notes in my phone. Some of them are more um, coherent than others. And still up until the time we started recording, I was still having ideas pop up and I was writing things down and they didn't necessarily make sense. But here's what I got so far in my phone app, and we can t- continue to build this out. And I don't know if the studio wants to throw some money at it. That's totally fine. Uh, okay, so here's – I'm just going to give you what I have written down in order. There's actually not that much. It's the sort of thing where if I had a couple drinks in me, we might be able to compound it a little bit. I'm sipping on my first of the day. Uh, it's the last of our distill breweries, Deadhead IPAs, that I bought for Rachel uh, for kickball. And then I think I drank like four of the six, so – that's okay. Shout out to our friends in uh, Normal, Illinois. Is that where Distill is? Yeah, Normal, Illinois. Okay, so if we're talking cast, right, it's a rich cast because, and not just because the Scientologists, like, you charge money to be in Scientology or you you get the way of wisdom or whatever by raising X amount of money. But here here we go. So we're good guys. Let's see. Leah Ramini, love interest, Right. How who else could you pick? I mean, there's obviously the thing with this is it's tricky because some of the more prominent female former Scientologists have obvious ties to Tom. Uh, I'm thinking Nicole Kidman and uh, Katie Holmes, but I think Leah Remini could really get into the Mission Impossible spirit. Okay, so she's going to be the love interest. She's going to be sort of the guiding voice of reason. I know that Haley Atwell is a big part of Dead Reckoning Part 1. I'm thinking maybe we just replace her with Leah Remini. She can still have the same character and name and everything, but we'll just kind of throw on this whole, her kind of primary character trait, if you will, will not be that she's this, like, pickpocket. It will be that she used to be in Scientology. And wouldn't you have fun watching Leah Remini do the stunts, do the kicks, uh, you know, kind of her Brooklyn accent, little, uh, you know, King of Queens action. I, I think it would be a hoot, frankly. Uh, other people that are kind of, right, every Mission Impossible, there's a crew, right? Uh, so Simon Pegg is getting the boot on this one. He can take a day off. Ving Rhames, you got to have back, right? You want that Arby's money. It's going to be important for production because I think kind of have a, a sneaking suspicion that when the, the studio gets a rough cut uh, of what I, I've put together here on paper they might stop funding it so having the arby's money from ving would be good two other people and one in the crew maybe not kind of your prototypical action stars but juliette lewis who is you know kind of an 80s early 90s sweetheart that would be fun and then jeffrey tambor both of them uh used to be in scientology and now they're out so if you thought you know george oscar bluth senior or whatever his name is george bluth couldn't uh couldn't do action well just you wait 
because he's going to be kicking, he's going to be shooting, and he's going to be great. So that's kind of the good guy crew, if you will. Our villains. This gets fun, right? So I'm thinking, and I had this vision right before uh, I when I was in the shower, actually. <coughs> Excuse me. So the main villain this whole time, John Travolta, definitely, classic Scientologist. But I was thinking, what if we put this spin on it where it's like, and you'll see that this this uh, particular character is going to be a big part of the movie and sort of an opening flashback sequence. But what if it's sort of like a Darth Vader and the Emperor hologram sort of thing where he's like Travolta is kneeling in the middle of the floor and he's like talking to this AI-generated L. Ron Hubbard. And you're not sure if he's real or not, but it ties in good with Dead Reckoning Part 1 because the bad guy, if you will, in Dead Reckoning Part 1 is not a guy at all. It's a it's AI, right? And so that's kind of my vision is like Travolta is constantly like going into this dark room and like interacting with Elrond and you're not sure if he's like cryogenically frozen and actually still alive or if it's just like a like a vision. It's I don't know. I think it's going to be really fun, really spooky. The other um, sort of the henchmen that I have them labeled, uh, the main ones, there's other ones too, which we'll mention in a second here, but I'm thinking the main ones, Chloe Fineman, right, SNL, she's got the spooky eyes, big-time Scientologist from what I've read, and then classic Chicago's own, just really tough, Michael Pena, who I think could be a convincing henchman, right, he's kind of gritty, he's kind of got that Chicago, south side of Chicago grit, actually west side, I think. I'm not sure where he's from, but um, okay, so there you go. So I had originally an opening sequence for something else, but I shifted it to uh, be potentially act one. Now we're talking storyboard a little bit, but here's what I envision as an opening sequence. So this is inspired by Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, where the whole opening sequence was like a 20 minute flashback with de CGI technology. You're not going to need the CGI, though. I want this to be real. I want this to be raw. Um, So here's where we're going. Flashback, 1969, okay? You've got L. Ron Hubbard in his prime and a teenage Travolta. I did the research on this. Travolta is eight years older than Cruz. So I'm thinking Travolta is, like, played by some 16-year-old actor. They, like, they kidnap Tom somehow. I don't think Tom was a child actor, but maybe they, like, maybe he gives off a certain aura, A-R-A-U-R-A. And they break in. They kidnap him. It's it's a dangerous stunt. It's kind of dark outside. The drums are beating. Bum, 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 And, you know, we're going to have to find some way to spice it up a little bit. Um you know, to make it actually uh, exciting, a great opening action sequence. But they kidnap Tom Cruise. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking like Christian Bale, Empire of the Sun, that kind of like, that kind of vibe going on. But again, this is a rough cut. So there's um, there's sort of your, your opening sequence, if you will. And then, you know, what I had in here as act as the original opening sequence before i realized hey the flashback this is money you know um so i'm thinking like madison square garden if you there's a clip out there it's actually hard to find because like for real scientology has a lot of very powerful people and they scrub the internet of this stuff but there was this great funnier die clip basically or it's it's tom cruise like at the scientology convention basically he's like on the stage it's very spooky 
and they melded it or they meshed it, remixed it with the scene in Temple of Doom where Harrison and Kate Capshaw and Jonathan Kequan first like encounter Mola Ram and the, the thuggies, if you will, and they're like watching the ceremony from like behind the rock. So they spliced those two things together and I loved it. So I'm thinking like this type of weird, creepy ceremony. I'm thinking like they rent out Madison Square Garden and you got this good guy crew, right? Ving Rames and uh, Leah Remini, Jeffrey Tambor, Juliet Lewis. They swoop in from the rafters, this big action kidnapping sequence. It, 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 it goes well. Uh, it it, it, it uh, contrasts well against the opening sequence. This, again, this new one is in Act 1 at Madison Square Garden where it's like we're cons- both parties are like kidnapping Tom, right, because he's got this power, right? He's, he's, uh, he's got the ability to kind of sway the, the future of the world one way or another, like which side are you going to be on, you know? So they have to kidnap Tom, and of course he's a big Scientologist, so he doesn't want to be kidnapped, so it's tough, right? Now you're getting like badass Ethan Hunt verse um you know like ving rames who's been in his crew and, and ethan is like what are you doing ving like what what the hell is going on and ving's like no this is for your own good like we're trying to save the world like scientology is bad news and so eventually they kidnap him i did write in my notes so i think this is going to be good and not without cost jason lee who you know from elvin and the chipmunks or my name is earl uh, reformed Scientologist. He's out now. He's part of the crew, too. I'm thinking to add some emotional impact or raise the stakes. He's either killed in the rescue attempt, or I guess it's more of a kidnapping attempt at this point, right? Because Tom Cruise doesn't want to be rescued. Uh, Ethan Hunt, if you will. But Jason Lee, he's either going to be killed, or it's like they they he gets kidnapped uh, here. He gets pulled back, left behind as they're trying to escape madison square garden you know in the subway or something and i love a good subway scene um you had both indiana jones dial of destiny and dead reckoning involved a subway to some extent or a train at least um and uh it's it's great right you're in kind of the shadows it's dark you can have loud audio mixes it's good stuff so and it's new york city right it's manhattan um madison square garden penn station can't beat it a great dude this is coming together a great sequence in Penn Station uh, in that new kind of architecture they've got in there. It's a beautiful space, uh, but you got a lot. You know, it'd be an expensive shot. You're going to have a lot of extras, but Tom can make it happen. The, the studio is going to throw money at this. Think about it. Penn Station, it's awesome. So that's going to happen in Act 1. And then what I'm thinking is, like, you know, throughout the movie, it's going to kind of – you got, of course, it's action. It's, it's Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible. But I think a lot of this is going to be, like, psychological thriller as well. Ethan's going to have to decide, like, which side am I on? Like, who am I actually fighting for? Like, am I doing this for the Scientologists, for the U.S. government? Is it for these, you know, my, my people who I thought were my friends, you know, Ving Rhames, but now we got the new people like Leo Rimini. Uh, it's like, who's actually good? Like, what does good mean? What is the truth? And one other uh, twist that I have in there that we could either do or not do, reveal or not reveal, I don't know. But I just wrote this down right before I started recording. It was, I wrote down, could they have stashed, so when they kidnap, when Travolta and L. Ron Hubbard kidnap a young Tom Cruise, it's like, could they have stashed the normal Cruise and created some sort of uh, clone who turns out to become like grown-up Tom Cruise, grown-up Ethan Hunt, like big movie star, um, and, the, and it turns out like the OG Tom gets woken up uh, from his cryogenic freezing, or maybe he's been like trapped in Elrond's tomb, 
which I don't know where that is, but that could be like a big sequence of like him getting out and now there's two. Look, how you kind of ask yourself, how do we make Mission Impossible better? Well, what if you have two Ethan Hunts, you know, not just one? I know Gemini Man kind of sucked from what I saw, but what if you had two Tom Cruises, okay? I think that could raise the stakes. So that's pretty much where I, what I have so far. I did write an ending so we got there's got to be like some stakes, right? It can't just be the battle for Tom's soul in any sort of Mission Impossible movie. It's like end of the world is on the line, right? Some sort of like nuclear missile got to detonate it, stop before the bomb goes off. So I'm thinking, what if like Travolta uh, and the bad guys, you know, get the, this vision from Elrond? And I was reading a little bit about Church of Scientology um, on Wikipedia, which was fun this afternoon. But apparently, they have this thing called the Bridge to Total Freedom. Which sounds like uh, whatever that guy's name is, um, who does the like financial freedom things. Uh, he's like kind of Christian. I can't remember what his name is. Anyways, I'll think of it later. But it's the bridge to total freedom is in the sun, and so it's like they have to either take a. I, I came up with two ideas. I'm not sure which is more probable, but either they take a spaceship to the sun. And they have to like blow the world up behind them to cleanse it, or they find a way to rocket propel the earth into the sun so that the entirety of humanity can be cleansed and can achieve this bridge to total freedom. I don't know. I like it. But I think at the end, it's like, you know, it's got the psychological thriller. Cruz has to choose a side. It's like, um, you know, he's kind of, he's got his friends in Scientology who've been super nice. Um, he's got these new people plus Ving Rhames who he knows who are, are good to him too, but he's like, not sure what the truth is. He's not sure, you know, does the bridge to total freedom exist? You know, I'm thinking we throw in the Masterson brothers somehow, assuming, you know, Danny gets off for the rape charges and then Christopher from, uh, Malcolm in the middle, of course. But, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking yeah, I, it's not all ironed out yet. That's what I have so far. That's what I wrote down. But dude, wouldn't that be a banging uh, Mission Impossible 8. Not to mention just the, the I'm just guessing the chemistry between Tom Cruise and uh, Leah Remini is going to be dynamite. So that's what I have so far for Mission Impossible 8. Let us know what you think in the comment section. You can also email us beantownpodcast at yahoo.com. But that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking right now. So that's what I got. That's our show for today. I'm going to go make some pasta. Uh, very simple. You're just using some macaroni, some, a cream sauce with some cheese, some shallots. And uh, garlic, throw it together with a salad. Just a nice kind of easy vegetarian. Oh, sundry tomatoes is kind of the star of the dish, if you will. And we might get ice cream later, preamble crisp, pre-bramble crisp, if you will. That's what I got for you, everyone. I hope that you're having a great summer. Happy July. Uh, Happy birthday to my dad, Steve. Hope it's a good one. And... uh, that's what I got. So everyone stay safe, stay sane, stay cool, and I'll check in on you next time. Bye. All right. I forgot about trivia. We're going to do it real quick. Here's the trivia question of the week. Rank the Mission Impossibles by lifetime gross earnings per boxofficemojo.com. So again, we're up through seven. We're not going to count Dead Reckoning Part 1 in this. Who knows where it falls? Let's do the first six so if you want to really think about it and give it an educated guess, you can pause. But uh, talking over the outro music, I've never done that before. It's kind of a new concept here. So again, this is by Lifetime Gross, and here we go. 
Number one, Mission Impossible Fallout, $220 million. Number two, Mission Impossible 2, surprise from the top rope, uh, $215 million, only five behind. Number three is Ghost Protocol, that's number four, uh, that's the fourth one, rather, 209 so not far behind, they're pretty close. The fourth one uh, on the list is Rogue Nation, which is the fifth movie, $195 million. The fifth one on the list is the OJ Mission Impossible, $180 million, and the sixth one, Mission Impossible 3, $134 million. I would assume Dead Reckoning is going to be close to Mission Impossible 2 in the second spot. There you go. That's our trivia. 